Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 63rd episode, and I'm here ahead of the Hungarian Grand Prix. We had some massive news following last week's episode. It happened, unfortunately, like right after. These things always seem to happen at the worst time. So before we preview this weekend's race, we have something to discuss with a special guest. But first, a quick reminder to check out the link tree in the description. It has links to pages like all the platforms you can find this podcast, as well as my YouTube channel, Breakpies Twitter, and TikTok. It has my email address if you'd like to contact me. It also has my personal Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Now let's talk about the sacking of Nick DeVries and the return of the honey badger, Daniel Ricardo, with a good friend of the pod, Andrew Shackleton. All right, so now before we get into the Hungarian Grand Prix, I've brought on the Red Bull expert of the podcast, old friend of the pod, Andrew Shackleton. How are you doing, man? How are you enjoying the season? I mean, you have to be with the wins piling up for Red Bull, right? Yeah, I'm doing good, Brad. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, man, crazy season. Max is just absolutely dominating. Um, as much as it's getting repetitive for other people, I just I think it's amazing to watch. Like we're literally watching history in the making here and it's it's pretty amazing yeah well we're not necessarily here to talk about your favorite driver that being max but the other two red bull drivers maybe more so um especially daniel ricardo who of course is on his way to alpha tari starting this coming race weekend racing for alpha tari nick's gone like I, I thought that was crazy how quick that happened but First of all, just how happy are you to see, you know, probably one of the most entertaining off the track drivers back on the grid? Yeah, man, I was, uh, I would say I was more shocked, but not surprised hearing the news. Um, Obviously, we heard rumors about it before that DeVries was, you know, given four races by uh, Marco to, you know, get his shit together and try and do his best to catch up to Yuki, but that clearly didn't happen. And... Yeah, Ricardo got the got the call and is replacing him. But yeah, I'm super excited for Ricardo, man. Like this just this whole situation is so exciting as a Red Bull fan. And I know what people might think about DeVries, like, oh, he didn't deserve that and he never gave him like a full chance. But like as a business decision for Red Bull, this is the smartest thing in my opinion. Yeah, and I hundred percent get that because he is probably if not like After Lewis and Max, like probably the most famous driver in Formula One, one of the most marketable drivers. I'll get into that in a second. Um, Well, actually, no. Why don't we talk? Just talk about it right now. I mean, AlphaTauri has the kind of a weird situation going on right now. Apparently, they're switching names for next season. Like, I just feel like they're probably one of the teams on the grid that has the least amount of fans. Like, do you think that is a huge reason why they've brought in Daniel in this seat? I think it, it definitely helps because Ricardo has much more of a social media presence and a marketing brand with his name. Uh, I think he's one of those few drivers that his brand and who he is actually outshines his career. And he's had a great career so far, but um, that definitely is part of it. But I don't even think that's why they brought Ricardo along, to be honest with you. I think there's quite a few reasons, obviously, with uh with Sergio now underperforming and qualifying, yeah, he's doing great in the races. Like he's coming through the field and he's kind of usually making it up, but that's not the point. Like if, if the field was more competitive this season, 
Sergio would be under the gun right now and there'd be like very high pressure, high stakes um, situations for him. And who knows, like maybe even something would even happen to Sergio by now if it was like that serious. But like he's got such a security blanket under Max right now. Like the guy's leading driver's construct driver's championship and the constructor championship by himself. So like Sergio has so much support right now and like just trying to get him back better. But yeah, like looking to the future, like they got to do something because who knows what the cars will be next year. Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston Martin, now McLaren. Like there's so many of the top guys gunning for it. And if Sergio is having these problems next year, it's going to be very, very costly. So they need to get their things in order. Um, DeVries just clearly wasn't it. And if they can get Ricardo into Alpha Tauri and somehow competes with Yuki or outshines him, then they have a very valuable option for next year if Perez does not perform. And I think it's a much smarter new, uh, move than to take um, Liam out of F2 just because Ricardo's proven himself and he's an experienced driver where you're almost taking another gamble and risk by getting um, Liam. So, yeah, I, th- I, think it's a, I think it's a really, really smart move by Red Bull and put some pressure well, you- on you've touched on you you touched on a lot that i wanted to get in with you already um i guess first since you're kind of more so talking about perez do you so you think that this decision to bring ricardo in effective immediately is mostly to do with like kicking sergio perez's ass a little bit like giving him a little push like hey we're bringing in an experienced driver to our junior team he's potentially up next if you don't get your your shit in order basically yeah, like 100%. And, like, the thing is, is, like, uh, it is on Perez at the end of the day what that decision is. Like, it's his call. If he performs well, that's not going to be – that's not going to be in conversation that Ricardo's going to come in. And that's kind of the same with DeVries. He just got short-ended a little bit. It was his call, too. He decided to make it up. But, I mean, they completely shafted him the four races that he was told. But, yeah, like, Perez is definitely under the gun. And he's got he's to get his – race together and yeah just needs a good weekend consistently to go with max but the thing with nick that i think is very confusing is yeah you say you agree with the decision right you you agree with the decision to sack nick and bring in daniel like effective immediately you agree with the timing of it too i mean the timing's a little a little sus to be honest with you but i mean if it there's that old saying like if it's gonna happen why not just do it right now like so yeah, I, I'm not I'm not like, hurt about it at all. I do get that, but like, how uh, you gave Nick his shot in F1 that he's been wanting for so many years. So like, there is like a bit of like good on Red Bull for at least giving him a chance. But did they give him a chance? Why did they even sign him if they were going to sack him this quickly? I mean, was he really that bad? I mean, I didn't think. Like, I, I almost feel like this doesn't say a lot of good things about what they feel about Yuki Sonoda. Because if they mm. thought Yuki Sonoda was performing that well, then Nick wasn't really doing that bad. But if they yeah. don't think Yuki is a good benchmark, then Nick's doing terribly, and that's why they need to get rid of him. And I haven't heard mm. anything about, like, Nick's character that would be bad. So it, this seems to be completely performance-related, and they've given him basically no chance. Yeah. No, like, I think mostly it's it's not even so much on Nick either about his performance. Like, obviously, he hasn't been performing and he hasn't been keeping up with Yuki. Like, that's that's number one. But number two is just, like, the wrong place, the wrong team at the wrong time. When they have Ricardo, like, I think the Silverstone tire test, he, like, 
honestly must have done such an amazing job. And there was probably talks before like, oh yeah, we'll give it to Ricardo at the summer break. But then I guess just Ricardo showing that he's still so competitive. It's like, let's just do it right now. Like, let's just, why, why kick the can down the road? Let's just get it over with, get him in the car and see, just, yeah, see what he can do. So how do you think he will fare in probably what is the worst car in F1 against Yuki Sonoda with like no experience in the car? Yuki's been driving this AlphaTauri, at least like this iteration of the AlphaTauri with the new regulations for two years with the team for three. How do you think Daniel's going to fare when, you know, who knows really how well he's, he's doing it's, it. There's just testing, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say who knows how much similar work or simulator work he's put in as well with the AlphaTauri. I don't know. Like he might've been doing some of that with the Red Bull and the AlphaTauri. So maybe he has some kind of feel for it, but I, I honestly don't know. I, I think it, it's still in the Red Bull family, so it should drive very similar to the Red Bull. It's just obviously not as fast, not as reliable, not as, um, yeah, it's just not as good as a car, but I think he, he will be more familiar in that car than he was, let's say with a McLaren, which is a very different driving style. Um, but yeah, I'll be, I'm very interested to see how it'll go. Um, I think it's also a super good test for Yuki as well, not just Ricardo, but to see if Yuki can outperform Ricardo still or, yeah, see how he can go. You you would assume that Daniel would be quicker than Nick DeVries. So, like, I, I, mm-hmm. I agree with you there. But, like, what what changed between... Now and like a couple months ago when they said Daniel Ricardo was not in the running for the Alpha Tower seat back when Red Bull was already talking about sacking Nick DeVries after like five races. I mean, mm-hmm. personally, I thought it was kind of disrespectful how they handled the whole thing. I'm curious how you felt about it because, you know, you're more of a Red Bull fan. I, I, what is with this academy? I mean, they have so many junior drivers that are so talented and they... Go, they're going back to an old driver. They've signed on Sergio Perez, who has nothing to do with their Red Bull Academy. When is the last time they've brought on a superstar? Like it's 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 just been Max Verstappen. No one no one really since. So I just mm-hmm. like are they ever going to promote Liam Lawson? Because I don't know what else he needs to do to to prove that he is worthy yeah. of a seat. I mean, he's killing it in Japan right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. To a couple of your points there to start off with how did this happen? Cause Ricardo wasn't going to come back in and all that. Like I heard stuff like at the start of the season, he was joining with Red Bull and just doing the marketing stuff. He was going to show up to a couple races. And he, he said to the media, it was like, I am not going to watch any race, any practice session. Like I am just clearing my head. I'm going to stay away from the sport. And I mean, the guy's an eight time Grand Prix winner. Like he's, it's in his blood. So I think he said like when the season started, he was on the track, like it was just starting to boil his blood that he just wanted to get out there. And I mean, you can't blame him. And he just, he wants to get back out there. And it just like race or race week after race week, it was just getting at him more and more. Like I need to be out there and I still have what it takes. And I think he was just ready. He let Red Bull know that. And with the Silverstone tire testing, he was... Yeah, when he got the call, he was ready to go, which I also heard was kind of funny because I heard, um, obviously, they're just reports, but Christian Horner actually had apparently no idea that DeVries got canned. He uh, called Marco about the lap times, 
that Ricardo was having. And Marco called him back in like 20 minutes and said, yep, Nick's done. Which is just crazy to me. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm sure you would have seen all the things that mostly Marco was saying about Nick throughout like the past few weeks. Like, I couldn't believe the comments, yeah. like basically calling him like a dead man walking and saying his days are numbered like for weeks now. Like, how do you think he's going to perform yeah. when you're already talking about that type of stuff? Like, I feel like Red Bull applies pressure like in a much different way than like all the other teams do. Like, they're basically like, if you if you keep sucking, you're you're done. And where other teams are, I feel like a little bit more nurturing. And Red Bull's just like it's sink or swim. I feel like I've heard Horner say that like a million times in like Drive to Survive and whatnot. But like their they academy is different. And I mean, this isn't the first time this has happened, right? This has happened like it's probably happened five or six times in their history that they've just cut ties with drivers with no questions asked, no second chances, no conversations, just see you later, bring on the next driver. And it's probably not going to be the last. We're going to have another Red Bull story about this in the next couple of years for sure. Maybe Perez. But Yeah. I, so I, you bring that up. What does Daniel have to do? Because obviously he has said he didn't want to come back to a Haas, for example, last year. Remember, he had that opportunity potentially. He had, was talking with Haas about taking one of their race seats, and it was debated whether – Daniel's ever going to come back because he has to prove himself somewhere before he's ever going to get a top seat again. So his eyes is on a top seat, which is clearly Red Bull or else he wouldn't make this move. What does Daniel need to do in AlphaTauri to prove that he is worth? Is it, is it more about Perez sucking than it is Daniel actually doing well? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, to a couple points, I think, Obviously, yeah, he does not want to drive for a, for a midfield team or a bottom team. Like, he was very clear on that. If I'm coming back, I'm not doing that. So it, it's got to be in the contract or in their conversations that I will drive for AlphaTauri if there's at least a chance, at least a small chance that I'm going to make my way back to Red Bull. And I think that's been agreed upon, obviously. There's always a chance. The door is open. So I, I think there's a couple scenarios that have to happen. I think Ricardo has to at least match Yuki, if not surpass him. And I think another very important thing is for them to not finish last in the Constructors' Championship. I think there's a few milestones that he needs to hit with AlphaTauri for Red Bull to really notice him. Um, as well as Perez continuing to struggle for that to happen. And Perez literally needs to be P2 every race if Max is P1 for him to not be struggling, or at least on the podium. If he's not, then I consider that a failure. And I think Red Bull would too, especially with this car. So yeah, if those all things happen, then I think it's a very poss good possibility that he can come. And at the same time, if he doesn't perform in the Alpha Tauri, if he's coming last like DeVries was, or like P19, P18, and just like isn't comparing to Yuki, I believe this move could completely destroy his career at the same time. I don't think he could get another chance after um, this might be his only and best opportunity left in Formula One. I think you're right, and I don't. I, I don't. I feel like that sounds like really harsh on him, but like he's already mm -hmm. been on the sidelines. Like I feel like his career already could be over. So yeah. the fact that he is getting another chance is already like pretty amazing for his career. Um, it would be insane to see that redemption. Like him back at Red Bull would be crazy i mean i don't think he would get anywhere near the level of max because frankly i just don't think many drivers on this grid could um 
Max is just driving on another level. But like, what is what is going on with Perez? Like, to just take a, a step away from Daniel for a second, like five straight Q3s, I think it is now. What the hell is going on? I know like some of it has been a little bit unlucky, but some of these issues that he's had with the car, like Max is just driving through them. And while Sergio is struggling with like the tire warm up that they have in qualifying sometimes and some of the more damp sessions, Verstappen's just like absolutely blitzing every session. Ooh. And Perez is down, like just missing out. Like that wasn't unlucky last time. Like he literally was just not fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. Like it's, it's obviously, it's so hard to compete with Max. I don't even think that's like in the question of his, um, of like what's going on with him. Cause I just, there's, there's no fight there. There's no challenge to Max with Perez right now. And people thought that at the start of the year, but yeah, like just not getting out of Q1 is just like not acceptable at all, especially in any top three constructor car. Like that's just, you can't be doing that. Like, yeah, it happens from time to time, but for five consecutive weekends, it's just, it's unbelievable. I think a bit of it's like, I think he was sick for a bit. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I think it's unlucky. Um, and I don't know, maybe all these reports are going around, like things can get in your head. Maybe there's self-doubt in the team. I know people say Horner's got his back and Marco, but like, you never know, like there could be some kind of self-doubt and that could really get to drivers. And even just like two missing Q1, two times in a row, like that can just really get mentally very difficult to get out of that hole. Um, I thought the podium in Austria was going to get him out of it, to be honest, but um, yeah, no, it's not. So I don't know. It's, it's really weird. And I've honestly been kind of critical of the comeback drives during the races. Like, I don't think he's been horrendous no. during the Grand Prix and whatnot. But I've always said, I think, like, the media and especially just Formula One in of itself and also Red Bull have kind of, like, played up how well his comeback drives are. Where I've always thought, like, you know, recovering to P6 is not good in a Red Bull recovering yeah. to E4 when he started ahead of George Russell in Spain, for example. Like, I didn't find that impressive at all. Um, I haven't really been impressed with Perez basically since he got absolutely just crushed in Miami by Max Verstappen with that incredible comeback drive. I feel like that was kind of a turning point for him. But it also, just to the qualifying point, like, we saw this in 21 when he was brand new to the team. Like, Every once in a while, he would just have like these weirdly bad qualifyings. Like, I just feel like that almost is in Perez's nature to just like not be that good in qualifying sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. But he pr is always pretty decent on Sunday. Is Red Bull's car, how good it is, saving Perez's seat? Hmm. Yes. Uh, it's very hard to say. I mean, I think Max Verstappen alone is saving Perez's deep seat. If Max was not performing at this level and there was another team just challenging them and taking the podium or taking the Grand Prix on weekend, week out, but like Red Bull was still there, they would need Perez to be up there with Max. Like there'd be no questions. Like you need to be in Q3, like, but just because of Max is driving right now, him taking all these poles, winning the Grand Prix with ease, like there's no, there's not that much pressure on Red Bull right now. Like, yeah, they're, they're doing their best to get Sergio through there, but like, I don't know. 
I think it's more just Max than it is the car saving his seat. There's just not as much pressure on him than there usually would be. That's a very interesting take because I feel like Max has got somewhat of a reputation of like a career ruiner where he is just like absolutely obliterated teammates. And the reason why like Gasly who got promoted, got sent down. The reason Albon who got promoted, got sent down. Daniel Kvyat took his seat and was out of Formula One and took his wife too. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it had to be said. But um, it's interesting that you say that because I, I did just kind of say on the last episode as well that I have officially declared the RB19 is not the most dominant car in Formula One history. It's not even close. Max Verstappen is the reason why they're dominating. Sergio Perez has basically proven, like, he's not that bad of a driver. He's basically proven that this this car is not the most dominant because all the other most dominant cars in, in history were getting one-twos after one-twos after one-twos. And Perez is making that look difficult. So um, I did say that last time. So, yeah, it's interesting that you say that he's saving his, his seat when he has kind of got that reputation. But I do understand what you're saying because... I do believe his level is what is alleviating Red Bull's pressure. So, yeah, it's kind of – I like that take. That, that, was, that was good. Yeah, and, like, I don't know if you saw either, but uh, on Sports Illustrated F1, there was reports that Red Bull has been talking to uh, Leclerc about joining Red Bull for next season to replace Prez. Just wondering what you think on that. Have you heard about it? And if you think there's any kind of credibility towards that. No, honestly, just I think all the talk about Leclerc leaving Ferrari is just because there's always so much noise around Ferrari. Like, I think Leclerc wants to win there more than any other driver on the grid wants to win with any team. Like, Mm -hmm. Leclerc's connections to Ferrari are so strong. I know sometimes he looks really frustrated. He doesn't want to waste his career. But I personally believe that he, he does believe in the team and he wants to do it there just so badly. Like, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think if anyone left for Red Bull for a while, I always thought it would be someone from McLaren. But now I just I just said on my last podcast, are these talks about Lando going to another team going to stop now? Because really, if this is where McLaren is at, they're in no worse position than Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston Martin. None of those teams look that much better. Like McLaren has a clear direction with their wind tunnel still coming online. They've always said 2025 is when we're hoping to compete. They're basically on track for that. So why why would he leave? I I don't think anyone's going for that Red Bull seat unless it is it is the best seat in F1 like alongside Max Verstappen, but like I don't know. I don't think Leclerc would leave. I think it would be someone else. Yeah, no, that's true. Leclerc's roots with Ferrari are like almost unbreakable, but uh, it does it does it's kind of interesting to hear about because just how much Ferrari struggled and like such a talented guy not being able to perform. I mean, yeah, he had the car last year, but it just wasn't competitive. And part of it's him too; he has to grow up and um, fix his issues. But yeah, I don't know. It was interesting to hear. Well, man, I think we've covered mostly what I wanted to talk about you with Ricardo and DeVries and Perez. So to end it off here, before I uh, get into my hungry preview, just what is your prediction for Daniel Ricardo in Hungary? I mean, it's got it's got to be tough here, hopping into that car without much experience, just 
straight into a race weekend. How do you think he will fare in this car? Well, it's all about qualifying on this track. It's a pretty hard track to overtake. So the majority of, or what he has to do is just have an amazing Saturday. And um, if you got, I, I'm going to predict he gets into Q2. And hopefully he's like a P14, P15. I think that'd be a pretty good debut. Because, I mean, the Alpha Tower is not looking good at the moment. I think they were they started the season pretty good. But right now, I feel like they have dropped down into, I feel like a bottom three is kind of starting to form. Like, Haas has these great qualifying moments, but I would argue that they're the worst car on a, yeah. like, over a race distance, like, so bad. So, sometimes they score points because they luck into, like, holding on from a top of, like, a tight midfield. And they just qualify so well. So, like, they, yeah, they hold on to that position. Alfa Romeo is just consistently very mid to bad. And mm-hmm. then uh, then there's Alfa Tauri, who was somewhat strong at the beginning. But I feel like now they're arguably just they don't qualify well. They can't make up any ground. So it's a hard car to show how good you are, which is why I also felt it was a little bit more unfair to Nick. The same how I've, I've kind of been defending Logan Sargent when the Williams kind of was dropping down to like a bad car. I'm like, how is he supposed to show that he's he's good? Like Alex is just driving the wheels off that car. And speaking of which, I actually did want to say this earlier. I know I'm going off on a total tangent here, but Alex Albon, Sergio Perez, same amount of Q3s. How wild is that? I know, man. He's been out qualifying him like in the past five races too. It's been unbelievable. And Perez took his seat, and he's doing it to Williams versus Red Bull. Um, yeah, nuts stuff. But I, I think if Daniel, Daniel Ricardo got into Q2 in the AlphaTauri, that would be an amazing showing for his first weekend in the car um, because that's something that even Yuki, who most people agree has been having a pretty good season, has struggled to do the past few race weekends just because the AlphaTauri, it's, it's not really there on pace right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hope he gets into that Q2. I think that'd be an amazing debut. I mean, obviously the points are, that's just something to dream about. I don't, that's a very high probability that will not happen. But if you can, if you can get between that P like 15 to P13 at best, like that, that's a really good debut. And I think that shows Red Bull quite a bit. Yeah, thanks, man. That's uh, That was a good conversation about the return of Daniel Ricciardo. So uh I, I personally am looking forward to the Hungarian Grand Prix. It's usually always a good weekend for Mercedes. So I'm hoping that mm-hmm. they're going to be good here. I expect Aston to be a lot better in Hungary as well. I don't know if McLaren is quite fair well there. But, yeah, I'll leave that for uh, the Hungarian preview. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Cheers. All right. As ever, always good to have Shaq on the pod, and uh, quite an interesting topic we got to talk about. Um, I was thinking of bringing back the Silly Season segment for this episode, and then of course, we get this massive news, so kind of a perfect way to bring back that segment. Typically, I'll be doing it um, after my preview, um, probably after Brad's bets, but for this one, I felt like the most interesting storyline um, going on in F1 ra- right now, even more interesting than the race itself, was the return of such a high-profile character like Daniel. So I wanted to just 
get Shaq on and have a really interesting conversation about that. So I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, but So let's get right into this Hungarian Grand Prix preview. Um, of course, the Hungaro Ring, not exactly one of the most famous tracks in F1, um, but it's a good track and... You know, it has a lot of medium speed corners. Looking at the track layout on paper, it should be probably one of the dullest Grand Prix um, that we have over the course of the entire year, honestly. But somehow, this race, I don't know if it's just um, the time of year it is or, or what, but it seems to always deliver better than it should. Or maybe it's just because we're it's coming after... Uh, Silverstone, which is usually always a great race, um, Austria kind of around there. Sometimes it's the one right before the summer break. Um, so I'm not sure if any of those are factors or maybe this is just a sleeper amazing track. I'm not sure. Um, but last year I felt like it wasn't the most amazing race, but we also had some um, it was up there for one of the most memorable uh, Verstappen one from P10 on the grid after he spun. Um, George Russell got uh, his first pole position, um, and Mercedes is technically only one of the, or yeah, his technically the only one of the year because Kevin Magnussen was on pole in Brazil, technically. So, pretty interesting storylines there. Um, you know, George drove a decent race from pole, but I think it was his teammate, Lewis, who actually... Um, was on fire that weekend. He just had that unfortunate issue in qualifying that I think he started from P8 or P9, and then he recovered to P2. It was setting fastest laps in that race. People were questioning whether he actually could have took the fight to max had he started on pole or front row or anything like that. Um, and then Ferrari, of course, was a shambles. This was coming right off of the back of kind of a rough stretch for them. They said they have... I think it was Bonato's quote saying, I don't see any reason why we can't win the rest of the races for the entire year. And then they didn't win a single race for the rest of the year. And it was pretty much just all Red Bull besides that one Mercedes flashpoint in Brazil. Um, so I would say there was quite a lot to remember from this race, to be honest. Um, but let's get into my prediction for this year's Hungarian Grand Prix. And I feel like... It, <laughs> We just have to keep going who's going to finish on the front row, who's going to be on the second row, because pole position will continue to be Max Verstappen here. I have no doubt in my mind. But I do like a Fernando Alonso resurgence. I've been, been kind of eyeing up the Hungarian Grand Prix. Aston can't be this bad. They have to have some sort of track specificness here because they are in that P2 fight with the top four, maybe top five teams now with the... Um, uh, arrival of McLaren, but I do feel like Aston's going to be back here, and I think McLaren might be actually at the bottom end, even though I was hyping up their return and talking about how uh, you know they might be able to catch Aston Martin. I don't think they're going to be able to do it here. I expect McLaren to actually be really strong in Spa. Um, here, not so much. I, I think Fernando Alonso can actually pull off a front row start, and I like Lewis Hamilton and George Russell in the second row. I, I'm not going to predict Sergio Perez in Q3 until he does it, then he will probably be frequently on the front row again in my predictions and whatnot. But until he does it once, I'm not putting him in any predictions anymore. I've burned on that too many times. And uh, for the race, I think Max wins comfortably here, um, more comfortable than 
probably Canada and Silverstone, probably not maybe to the level of Austria where that was a very dominant and comfortable win. Um, I think it's probably somewhere in between. I think Mercedes is going to throw everything they have at getting one of their drivers ahead of Fernando. I think these two, uh, you know, Mercedes and Aston will be the top two teams here. Um, and honestly, I think they get it done. I think Lewis has always performed extremely well in Hungary. I'm going to back him to finish ahead of Fernando. So Lewis P2, Fernando P3, George P4. And then I'll say Perez makes another recovery drive and splits the Ferraris. I think uh, the McLarens are going to be a little bit on the back foot here. I could see still see a strong performance from Lando, but my bold prediction is going to be that Oscar Piastri, after almost securing a podium last week and all the hype around McLaren, I don't think he scores points here. I'm going to say a P11, P12 finish. I think he fails to, uh, I think, stroll or some, maybe both Alpines, maybe one Alpine finish ahead of him here. Um, and I will say this too, um, Williams, I don't think they're going to be strong here. Look out for them in Spa again, but uh, I, I don't think Hungary is going to suit them whatsoever. So Williams is going to move back, and uh, I'll leave it at that. So let's go into Brad's bets. Before I get into this weekend's bets, we have to review my Silverstone picks. It didn't go well. Um, I will admit, I, I, I kind of I feel bad here, but I actually did okay on my own bets. The ones I gave out. Um, I, the ones, how should I say this? The ones that I gave out that were losers, I didn't actually make any of those myself. So I, I kind of had a better weekend than I gave you guys. So I apologize if you do follow this, um, and make some bets, um, based off of my picks. Leclerc did not score a podium. There was more than one leader of the race. Both Red Bulls did not podium. So all those were no's and Alex Albon did score points for plus 150. So that was a decent one, and then the long shot of the week, plus 2,000 for Nico Hulkenberg to be classified last. Um, that was a no, but it was close. He actually was running last. He had that make that early pit stop because of the damage, and I was like, oh, my God, here we go. But then, of course, we had uh, the retirements. So that was that. Now, this week, um, a lot of Mercedes ones, to be honest. I really like Mercedes's chance at uh, possibly being the second quickest team here. George Russell on the podium is plus 410. Um, that is pretty crazy odds for, I think, you know, someone who could be in the second quickest car. Um, it's minus 185 for both Mercedes, or sorry, it's minus 185 for George Russell to finish in the top six. I think that's almost a slam dunk. Minus 185, not great odds, but I really, you know, like his chances of doing that plus 100 for both Mercs in the top six. To get even odds on something that I think will probably happen is pretty good. Plus 400 to back my actual race prediction of Lewis Hamilton finishing P2, if you think he can do that. Plus 400 for a top two finish for him. And then the last one, not Mercedes, plus 150 for no safety car. Now, the long shot, I actually have two because... I had to throw this one in. The the odds actually aren't that long, but I got to have a Daniel Ricciardo bet, right? So plus 200 for a points finish. If you want to ride the bias with Daniel Ricciardo and support uh, the Honey Badger, he is plus 200 to score points. I don't think he's going to do it, um, but you got to you gotta support him, right? So I, if you guys want to throw a flyer on that, we'll, I, I'll put it as one of my picks. And then the actual long shot... Um, 
this is something on Bet365. You you cannot do this on uh, um, uh, FanDuel, um, which actually, to be honest, a lot of these bets you can't do on FanDuel. Nico Hulkenberg is plus 2,200 on Bet365 to make the first pit stop of the race. I thought that was pretty wild. I feel like frequently Haas makes the first pit stop. Um, you know, it happens a lot where someone makes a pit stop at the end of lap one because they picked up some damage or, you know, there's early retirements. And also sometimes there's just Ferraris going in to do crazy strategies and whatnot. Um, so I do get it being long, but for plus 2,200, which was like kind of middle of the pack for someone doing the first pit stop, I thought that was crazy odds. And I never actually looked into that market before. That might be one that we've been missing out on um, all year long. So take a look at that if you are betting on that because plus 2200 is big money. That's 23x your money. Um, so something to think about there. But that will do it for episode 63 of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back with episode 64 Monday to review the Hungarian Grand Prix. I can't believe, guys, it's race week for Daniel Ricciardo in 2023, and I can't wait to see him in that Alvatari race suit this weekend. Goodbye.